and we are live welcome back to takes by fans we got a great show for you today as always we are live every single day at noon eastern if you want to watch live head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans if you want to watch but not live head over to our youtube channel takes by fans we post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis and if you just want to listen we are on podcasting apps spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeart radio so however you want to watch or listen we've got you covered multiple ways Alrighty, today's a big old Wednesday. We got playoff basketball continuing on today. We got two games, but I mean we got to talk about one. I mean, broke today. Kawhi Leonard, unfortunately, he's out. He's out for today's game. So we're gonna talk all about that. Break down those games. Do our money maker for tonight's action. Break down the NBA game from last night, the Bucks and the Nets, and man, oh man, Kevin Durant, folks, jeez, you didn't have to do it to him like that, Durant, jeez, so we'll talk about that game. And then we were all going to be done. We were going to, you know, wipe our hands clean. We were done judging Aaron Rodgers. We looked at his Super Bowl performance, and it was good. And we gave him kind of 50-50 credit throughout that entire playoff run. Um, You know, Super Bowl was really great. And the divisional round uh, playoff game was also very great. But then uh, he had to go up and uh, pop up again yesterday. So we're going to go through every single one of this man's playoff games. I don't know how long it's going to take. Uh, but we will go through every single playoff game Aaron Rodgers has ever played in, and we're going to judge them all, folks. Not just a playoff run that we ended up doing, finishing up yesterday with the Super Bowl. We will be looking at every single one for the next however many days it takes because this man wants to come out uh, during the match press conference and, you know, do his classic Aaron Rodgers thing. So, you know, we were about to be done. And then he pulls us right back in. So that's what we're going to do today. We got the 2011 season when he went 15-1. First round by. Lost in the first uh, his first playoff game of the next season. So we'll see if it's his fault. We'll see if he deserves credit for that playoff game. But the way that this man acts seems like, you know, he is God himself. He can do no wrong. He's never made any mistakes in any of his playoff games that he's played in. Which we know is untrue because we just saw two out of those four in that Super Bowl run. Not really great by good old goat Aaron Rodgers, no? So, he pulls us right back in, folks. So, since we're talking about it, let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day. And there it is, folks. Yesterday, the match. The match press conference. Um, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady on the golf course. Uh, Aaron Rodgers partners like DeChambeau and then Tom Brady's got Phil Mickelson. But they had their press conference for it yesterday. And what does Aaron Rodgers do, folks? classic Aaron Rodgers so let's talk about it the first initial thing which everybody sees is what shirt he's wearing and Aaron Rodgers is wearing a shirt that says I'm offended with the smiley face underneath it okay Aaron yes we know you know you're hearing all the outside criticism you're not offended you don't take anything seriously you don't take anything to heart you're you're superior to everybody we get it Aaron Rodgers you don't have to kind of keep doing this and I mean like Uh, You're telling us that you're hearing all this noise because you're wearing this shirt. You're always trying to get the digs in. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, his cool, calm, collected personality. I'm I'm not offended. 
I, I don't even hear anything you guys say. Um, I'm, I'm a millionaire. I know I'm hailed as the greatest of all time. Nothing can affect me. But then you're wearing a shirt that says, I'm offended with the smile of face emoji underneath it. That kind of tells us definitely that he's definitely not offended by any of these comments, right? Because that's what you do. That's what any sane person does. When you hear these outside criticisms, you go and wear a shirt that says, I'm offended um, during your kind of press conference for your golf match that you have coming up. But then you skip out on mandatory minicamps. So, once again, just Aaron Rodgers doing his classic Aaron Rodgers thing out here. And everybody eats it up. Everybody loves it. And just, once again, his army of internet people, Aaron Rodgers internet lovers um, that slurp and suck this man all day long. And Aaron Rodgers can never do anything wrong. They go out and defend it and be like, see, we told you Aaron Rodgers isn't offended by anything y'all say. Joe. Jokes on you. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Aaron Rodgers got us, folks. Ha, ha, ha. Aaron Rodgers living rent-free in our head. Ha, ha, ha. It, it, it's enough, y'all. Y'all sound delusional out there, but... So that's the <laughs> that's the shirt that Aaron Rodgers decides to wear during their press conference. I'm offended. Now we got a couple of quotes here from the press conference, so let's go a little bit deeper into, you know, once again, these jabs Aaron Rodgers loves to take, but you know, he once again, it's always, you know, uh, you know, to Aaron Rodgers' Twitter army, his internet army, it's all, "Oh, Aaron Rodgers is living rent-free in your head." But Aaron Rodgers, he will take every, every case to take a jab at everybody. He couldn't even host Jeopardy without talking about Matt, L Matt LaFleur's decision, folks. How about Aaron Rodgers? Everything, everything uh, the media says, that lives rent free in Aaron Rodgers' head. Do, do y'all see it? Do y'all see what this man is doing? It's crazy. Uh, but let's go and let's go into some of these uh, quotes here. So here we go. All right, as the NFL MVP prepared for his golf match with Bryson DeChambeau, that's his partner, Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson, that's who he's facing, on July 6th, coming up uh, next month, Rodgers joined a five-way interview to promote the event. The quarterback donned an I'm offended shirt that may or may not have anything or everything to do with the Packers CEO, Mark Murphy, recently calling Aaron Rodgers, quote, a complicated fella. And of course it does, because Aaron Rodgers, he hears all the outside noise folks he can pretend he doesn't and he can pretend it never gets to him and he can pretend that he's above it all and it never gets to him but folks literally everything he does everything he does he he tweeted a picture of him in Hawaii while they were trying to you know when training camp was coming up in like the next day or two he he hosts Jeopardy which he says is like a lifelong dream of his and he wants to make that his new career and he couldn't not even go one show without bringing up the field goal decision at the NFC Championship game, folks. It's getting to him. It's getting to him. Do y'all not see this? Jeez. Oh, my goodness. But let's keep it up. Asked jokingly by Brian Anderson about his, quote, low profile and, quote, peaceful offseason. And Aaron Rodgers had this to say, quote, it's been one of those quiet offseasons you just dream about. Where you can just kind of go through your process on your own quietly. That's all you can ask for as an older player in this league. And someone who's been around for a long time. And just enjoy that time to yourself to just relax 
to not be bothered, to not be bothered, folks, 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 he went on Jeopardy and still brought up football, talk about not being bothered, he is bothered, folks, he is to not have any obligations, not any obligations, you're under contract and there was mandatory minicamps. How about that as an obligation right there? Jeez, to not have any obligations? Oh my God, once again, Aaron Rodgers throwing in these subtle digs, the big brain IQ where, oh, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying these words. You can take it how you want. Classic Aaron, classic Aaron Rodgers. It was classic Aaron Rodgers last night, folks. Jeez. Did not have any obligations or anything going on. Oh, my goodness. This man. This man is crazy, folks. Um, I think that's what this offseason's been about. It's been about really enjoying my time and spending it where I want to spend it. I don't want to spend it with my team getting better. I don't want to get over my NFC Championship game humps that I always underperform in. I don't want to make Matt LaFleur look at, you know, as good as he actually is as an offensive mind. I don't want to be with my team and get better. I want to go to Hawaii with these random three people. I don't even know who they were. <laughs> I don't even know who they were. I want to host Jeopardy and jumpstart my next my the next part of my career because I know I'm not going to be you know hailed as the greatest football player of all time so maybe I could be hailed as the greatest Jeopardy host of all time I got to be great at something I got to be the best at something because I'm Aaron Rodgers and I can't stand not being number one and I can't stand people in the media uh throwing jabs and saying that I'm not good so where were we in this article? I've got to read that quote again. i got to read that sentence again. Um, it's been about really enjoying my time and spending it where I want to spend it. Where I want to spend it. This man hasn't been to a Super Bowl in a decade. Does not want to kind of uh, mend the relationship between him and the Packers coaches and organization. He doesn't want to get better. But once again, the media, his fans all go and slurp him and say he cannot do no wrong, folks. It's been about really enjoying my time and spending it where I want to spend it and not feeling like I have to go anywhere and not having any responsibilities, but still being an NFL football player at the same time. It's been great. This is this is this this is a quote, folks. This is what this man actually said. I don't want to be bothered. I want to spend the time where I want to spend it, not feeling like I have to do any of my obligations, not feeling like I have to go anywhere. And I and I still I know I don't want any of that pressure of being an NFL player. But I'm still an NFL player. What? 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 You want this man on your team? I know he's a great talent. He's great in the regular season. Nobody's doubting that. But when the pressure's on, this man turtles up, goes into a shell, can't take any criticism. Turtle Rogers, folks. And this is the most turtle thing I've ever read. The most turtle thing I've ever read right here in front of us coming from none other than Turtle Aaron Rodgers, folks. Jeez Louise. 
We're all about competition and high-level play on the show. And man, oh man, if I was Aaron Rodgers' teammate and I read this, I was like, I'd be like, what? I'm putting in all this work. I'm putting in my blood, sweat, and tears. And Aaron Rodgers is taking subtle jabs at the entire team and organization and having fun and smiling and has a golf match next month that he cares 100% more than this NFL season coming up because he feels like he's being disrespected because he couldn't cash in on more than one uh, Tom Brady turnover in the NFC Championship game after we just went back-to-back 13-3 and seasons. He's still complaining? This man is still complaining? He hasn't been to the Super Bowl in a decade? In a decade? And Tom Brady, his biggest rival in the greatest of all time argument, has went to 10 Super Bowls in his entire career and won seven of them? And Aaron Rodgers still is going on these, um, when was the last time? It was on uh, Kenny Main, Kenny Main's last sports center. That's where he went on. And now he's once again saying this kind of same information, but worse, taking all these subtle jabs on the match press tour, folks. Jeez, how could we, how could you, how could y'all get behind Aaron Rodgers now? At some point, it's enough. Okay, the Jeopardy thing, yes, it's the one and done thing. It was kind of funny. I get it. I get it. But then he just goes on and 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 on. Some point, get better. Look in the mirror, Aaron. It's on, it's not all your fault, but it's some of it's your fault. You're the one throwing the ball out there. You're the one that could get better. You're the one that floundered time and time and time and time again in the red zone during the NFC Championship game. And you're mad because Matt LaFleur decided to take a field goal and rely on the defense that picked off Tom Brady three times in that game to try and get a stop and get the ball back? I would have done the same thing. I would have done the same thing. I'm not going to rely on you when you, we just saw you multiple times in the red zone not be able to get the ball in the end zone. Jeez. Some point, it's enough. It's enough, Aaron. Jeez, it's truly enough out here. Man, get over it. Get over it. Fix it. Don't be in this weird limbo and go and turtle up inside your shell in the only... And the only comments that we get now are our publicity tour videos. Over this, man. I'm so... I cannot... If y'all want to... You can like what he does on the field, but man, oh man, this man's personality is showing a thousand percent in this offseason, and I can never get behind this man again, folks. He doesn't get it done in the clutch. He's not a clutch player. He wants to be hailed as the greatest of all time, but has one Super Bowl appearance, folks. I mean, we're talking about Russell Wilson with two already. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes with two already, so please spare us. Aaron Rodgers, geez Louise, bear us Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but that's not it, folks. That's not it. That's just the one quote. And now, once again, we get subtle jabs fueled by Tom Brady, which I absolutely I love this by Tom Brady because Aaron Rodgers thinks that Tom Brady is kind of laughing along with Aaron Rodgers, but Tom Brady's honestly making fun of Aaron Rodgers to his face, and he doesn't even realize it, folks. So during the press conference yesterday, it was Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. It was all the golfers there and that kind of mediator uh, for that five-person panel on a like Zoom video call for the match uh, 
press tour. But uh, we get Tom Brady taking subtle jabs once again, kind of, you know, Aaron Rodgers thinking Tom Brady's kind of laughing along with him, but he's actually laughing at him because Tom Brady, he's got the greatest of all time secured. It's wrapped up. It doesn't matter what he does for the rest of his career. He went to a new team year one and won the Super Bowl. It's done. It's game over. He beat Aaron Rodgers in Aaron Rodgers' home stadium. Folks, year one, first time in the division, won the division, beat Aaron Rodgers head-to-head, ran the gauntlet with uh, Drew Brees as well the week before, and was still able to outperform Aaron Rodgers even though he threw three interceptions. It didn't matter. Tom Brady gets it done. So this is what we get. We got a quote here by Tom Brady. This is what he said in the match. Um, I do think you do have a partner talking about he's talking to D Chambo here I do think you have a partner that would probably have liked to go for it a little more often than he has in the past so Bryce I'm glad you're encouraging him to kind of go for it when it's on the line just not getting to the fairway or something like that and try to play for the next shot once again taking the dig at Matt LaFleur for calling in the field goal unit when they were on the red zone in the NFC Championship game, and then, uh, you know, everybody smirking. DeChambeau couldn't help but smirk during the press conference and did his best to respond without stepping on his teammates' toes. Quote, I'll never push anyone to do anything so he can choose to do whatever he wants to do because DeChambeau knows if he says anything bad about Aaron Rodgers or anything with the advice, Aaron Rodgers is going to bite his head off. So everybody's got to tiptoe around this man. Uh... And then we get this right here. Aaron Rodgers hears all this, and he has to respond. Classic. But like a true MVP quarterback, what, what does that mean? I don't understand why Sports Illustrated let it like that. But like a true MVP quarterback, a diva, a diva that doesn't want to play actual NFL football and doesn't want to get better, that's what a true MVP does? What? Uh, but like a true MVP quarterback, Rodgers quickly called an audible. What a, what a weird thing to say. Quote, well, I don't usually get the option in my experience. Ha, 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 Aaron Rodgers. He's so funny, folks. Oh, my God. This is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is truly a comedian. He's one of the greatest comedians of all time. No, that's what his fans are going to start saying now. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, my God. Get this man a Netflix special. Ha, ha, ha. He's once again making fun of his own team and his own coaches. How hilarious. Oh, my God. Instead of winning championships, this man should be on stage giving his fresh 15 out there. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, man. Oh, man. I haven't laughed this hard in such a long time since Richard Pryor. This man's as good as Richard Pryor out here. Ha, 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 ha. Well, I don't usually get the option in my experience in the crowd erupts with laughter. Ha. Yeah, Aaron, we heard the joke the first time on Jeopardy. We don't need to hear it. That's your only dig. That's your only quick quip right there. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I don't usually get that. I don't usually get the choice, the option in my experience. Y'all remember the NFC Championship game when I didn't cash in on uh, two uh, Tom Brady interceptions and went three and out? Ha, 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 ha. Aaron, it's enough. It's truly enough. Jeez. And then Tom Brady, once again, man, once again, taking, this is a kind of, uh, this is like a, a double, a, uh, wow, man, it's like a, it's like a double cross. It's like a, uh, <laughs> it's like a, uh, a, it's like a double reverse 
on what Aaron Rodgers truly thinks it means. So Brady heard that. So Aaron Rod, you know, Tom Brady says, you know, hey, you know, you should go for it. You know, when you have it, go for it. Don't, don't wait for the next play or don't kind of live for the next play. So that's what Tom Brady says. And then we get the Aaron Rodgers quote of saying, well, yeah, I don't usually get the option in my experience. And then Tom Brady hears that and says, I know the pain because we know, you know, him and Bill Belichick had a little bit of a rocky relationship through their kind of 20-year dynasty, but we're still able to get it done. They were still able to get it done, even though, you know, Bill Belichick wasn't giving Tom Brady all the help that he wanted, really any help at all. Had Randy Moss for two seasons and then was working with Wes Welker and Julian Edelman. <laughs> I mean, those were Tom Brady's best wide receivers that he's ever worked with. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, we get Devontae Adams. I mean, he's had help on help on help on help, but still couldn't do a dynasty. But Tom Brady put that all aside and got it done on the field and still won seven. He won seven, folks. Seven Super Bowls. He's been to ten. Ten. Aaron Rodgers has been to one. Come on! So Tom Brady says, I know the pain. And once again, Aaron Rodgers thinks, you know, Tom Brady's laughing along with them. But Tom Brady's actually laughing at Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't even realize it. The big brain, the big IQ, the smartest person in the room, Aaron Rodgers, doesn't even know when he's kind of getting made fun of. Because Tom Brady's like, man, oh, man. Aaron Rodgers is speaking out against his organization, against his team, and not winning. Man, oh man, I, I never did that. I won. I kept it to myself and won. So, you know, Tom Brady kind of, you know, playing along saying, you know, yeah, I feel you, Aaron. But in the back of his mind, he's like, this man can never touch me as greatest of all time. And I freaking love it. And I'm going to keep it up. I'm going to keep adding fuel to the fire because why not? I've got nothing to lose. I've got nothing more to prove. I'm already, I'm already cemented as the greatest quarterback of all time. There's no more doubt. There's no more comparison. There is no more debate, folks. Just a pure winner is Tom Brady right there. Got it done. Everything, you know, was not hunky-dory and going his way. They were down. They didn't have great seasons. They didn't have great weapons offensively. They never had a great running back there with New England. And they were still able to win consistently the division, the championship games, the Super Bowls. It didn't matter. Tom Brady always won. And Aaron Rodgers, when things get a little hard, he throws in the towel. He's thrown his entire team, his entire organization, everybody throwing them under the bus. So, Aaron Rodgers, first of all, you're not as smart as you think you are. Second of all, you're not as funny as you think you are. And third of all, you're not as great as you think you are playing football. How unfortunate. But once again, you know, everybody else is the clown. Everybody else is the clown. You can never talk bad about Aaron Rodgers. You can never diss Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers, he never takes anything personally. And, you know, he's living, you know, in your head rent free. But Aaron Rodgers is out here still, once again, bringing up the NFC Championship game every second he can to try to get the dig on his team, his coach. He will take that opportunity, and then he goes out and wears an I'm offended t-shirt to the uh, press conference for the match. Yeah, folks, Aaron Rodgers is the one that's living in our heads rent-free. I think it's kind of the other way around, folks. This man cannot not be beloved by the media, by every single human being on earth. And if there's one person speaking out about Aaron Rodgers, he takes it to heart and he has to go out and kind of prove that it doesn't hurt him at all. But it's kind of doing the opposite effect here, Aaron. So. Yeah. 
Um, I'm truly over him. I'm losing respect for this man as the days go on time and time and time and time again. I'm just losing respect for this man as a pure football talent, as a true competitor out there. I'm losing respect for him. So that's where we're at with Aaron Rodgers, folks. He can say, you know, this never gets to him. This never affects him. Yes, he's 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 above all this. He's never hurt. But, uh, you know, he's a little lonely out there, folks. His family hates him. I don't know where these people from Hawaii were. I'm sure they're not here anymore. And now he's in his own, you know, million-dollar mansion trying to kind of get back at everybody and look like he's superior superior. Uh, more superior than everybody else out there. So um, lonely old Turtle Rogers is at it again, and we kind of feel sorry for him now, unfortunately. Um, but he did it to himself. He's doing it to himself, and uh, so actually we don't feel sorry for you. Aaron Rodgers, you're getting everything you deserve. I hope you never get back to a Super Bowl. I hope you never get back to the playoffs. I hope the uh, Green Bay Packers actually hold you hostage to that contract, don't let you go, and don't start you. You'll be uh, riding the bench. You'll be going out of the league exactly how you came in this league, riding the bench behind a better quarterback. Jordan Love is going to be better than Aaron Rodgers and when Aaron Rodgers got in this league, Brett Favre is the best quarterback for the Packers ever. Aaron Rodgers is not better than Brett Favre. Um, I'm over it. So Aaron Rodgers is going to exit the league the same way he entered this league. Riding the bench for the Packers, unfortunately, but goodbye Aaron. You are no longer even in the top five of goats anymore. I'm not, I put him at top three. I'm going to put Big Ben over uh, Aaron Rodgers because Big Ben got to three super Super Bowls, one, two of them, and that's what we're talking about, folks. Alrighty, so we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit later in the show when we break down his 15-1 season where he got bounced the first playoff game. How truly unfortunate. Got beat by Eli Manning. Eli Manning, the kind of quarterback killer out here, the GOAT quarterback killer. Uh, that uh, 2011 season, he ends up beating the 15-1 Packers, and then he goes and blows up Tom Brady's season as well in the Super Bowl. So... Give respect to Eli Manning. The man can the man can get it done in the big games. Truly, respect. I'm putting Eli Manning above Aaron Rodgers as the greatest of all time. So unfortunate for um, uh, unfortunate for Aaron Rodgers. Eli Manning has done better than you know Aaron Rodgers. He's been able to beat Tom Brady twice, twice. The first time was not a fluke. He beat him again. He beat him again when they were 16 and 0. So Aaron Rodgers can't even beat Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game when you know. Tom Brady is so much older than Aaron, but Eli Manning can. Eli Manning can, folks. So that's where we're at. Uh, so oh, I'm so over Aaron Rodgers, folks. I don't know how y'all can still stick behind this man. One time, one joke. Yes, I get it. It's funny, but what are we doing? What are we doing? We're just supposed to laugh at that joke for the rest of our lives? Is that it? And not get better? And not try to kind of, you know, win the game anymore? Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to win anymore, folks. He just wants to be right. That's it. Over it. Over it. Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. <clears throat> I can go the entire show, folks. I, I don't know if y'all want to hear that. If you do, I'll do that. I, I've got no problem talking about Aaron Rodgers for the entire minute, uh, an hour and 40 minutes out here. Uh, we'll dig on him every every minute we can because that's what he does. Every single moment he can to dig his team and organization, he takes it. So, hey, I got an hour and 40 minutes every day, seven days of the week. I'll take every single opportunity I can to dig Aaron Rodgers. I've got no problem with that. 
All right, let's move on. Here we go. Patriots, moving on to Cam Newton. And once again, man, we're talking about him every day. We get kind of a quip here, a quip here, a video here, throw here, this, 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 every day. But once again, man, I think we truly have to be on. And this may be, this may be the final thing that completely, I mean, we're on like 1% of believing in Cam Newton, folks. One out of 100. We're at the one. And if we get to zero, there's no more coming back from that. But we get this right here. Patriots quarterback Cam Newton, very honest on his struggle getting Josh McDaniel's system. Quote, it was up to me to learn it as much as possible, and I'm so grateful to have that opportunity to learn it as much as I can. Latter part of the season, it caught up to me. I was thinking too much. So we get here, you know, you know, it was up to Cam Newton to learn the system, and it kind of seemed like he didn't take that responsibility last year. And then he says, you know, latter part of the season, it caught up to me. I was, you know, thinking too much. But did he correct it at the latter part of the season? And what does he call latter? part of the season because we see his season from last year it really truly was not good at all so if he's saying you know latter half of the season it really caught up to me but then you also didn't fix it I mean let's just take we'll give him the benefit of the doubt latter half of the season we'll give him you know the final eight games we'll give him the final half stretch of the season and it still wasn't anything good folks so, we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt starting at week 9. How many touchdowns did he have? 1, 2, 3, 6. He had 6 in the final 8 games. 6 passing touchdowns and 3 all came in the last game of the season against the Jets. The Jets, folks. Is that a, like an accomplishing win? A promising win out there? So, if you take away those 3 touchdowns, he's got 3 passing touchdowns in the last 8 games of the season. So, the latter part of the season, it caught up to you, but you still weren't correcting that mistake. It was all on you to learn the system, but you didn't take it seriously in the first half. Is that what he was saying? So, every time you know we see something, we hear something, it's not the greatest here by Cam Newton. Let's just take a look at some of these kind of games in the back half of the season. The latter part of the season out here. Week 9, they beat the Jets by 3. No passing touchdowns, no interceptions. He did throw 77% completion percentage on 35 throws, so I will give him that. But once again, I mean, or no, this was, uh, yeah, um... Yeah, 77% completion percentage, and you won by three against the Jets. It's nothing great out there. Then they go out and beat the Ravens. That was pretty solid. I'll give them that one. 76% completion percentage on only 17 throws. It's still good. We'll give it to them. And he did have a passing touchdown. No picks. But then he loses to the Texans, throwing 65% completion percentage. He had 365 yards and a passing touchdown. That was all good. Uh, but they lose by seven, unfortunate. Then they go out and beat the Cardinals, but what did he do? 50% completion percentage and 84 yards, two picks, and they escape with a win? That's on Kyler Murray for not getting it done. That's not Cam Newton winning this game. Basically lost this game for him, and the defense goes out and, you know, wins the game for him. So not very good there. They blow out the Chargers 45-0, but look at the stat line. 63% completion percentage with 69 passing yards and one passing touchdown. That was just, once again, the defense carrying them, picking off Justin Herbert all the time, and Justin Herbert couldn't do anything. So, once again, I mean, you went back-to-back -back weeks without throwing 100 yards? That's real not great, folks. You cannot rely on just your running game, folks. If you could, Lamar Jackson would be a uh, three-time Super Bowl champion already. But you have to start throwing the ball deep. And that's what Cam Newton can't do in this Patriots offense.
<laughs> then they go on the Rams. They go to the Rams in week 14 and get absolutely blown out. 56% completion percentage, no touchdowns, one pick. They get kind of blown out by the Dolphins by 10. 200 yards, but no touchdowns, no picks on 62% completion percentage. And then they get blown out by Buffalo. So, I mean, the last kind of, you know, four weeks, you went one and three, and the one win was against the Jets. So, we're not really getting what Cam Newton's saying here. You know, he's all big in praise. You know, he talks himself up. Well, he doesn't talk himself up. He kind of, you know, holds himself to a higher standard. But, you know, we hear that all the time. You know, Cam Newton never living up to his own potential here. And, you know, Cam Newton, you know, puts these high expectations on himself but doesn't come through and then you know praises Bill Belichick in the offseason of how great of a coach he is and how smart Josh McDaniels is but it's you not performing well on the field so given all those parts I know Cam Newton's trying to downplay everything by you know you know, putting it all on him so it makes him look kind of like the better player, the bigger person. Oh, it's all on me. You know, I need to get better. And, you know, definitely that's, you know, something you have to say. But at some point, you actually have to get better. And you can't just keep saying that. And that's kind of what we're seeing from Cam Newton here. So I'm this close of truly falling 100% off of Cam Newton, not giving him an inkling of kind of praise or promise or any of that kind of uh, <coughs> any... um believability in his game any buyability into his game this year so Cam Newton's this close folks this close of truly falling off of our board and not even being talked about not even given another chance because we sunk it all into him last year and he floundered big time we'll see what he does he's on this one percent thin ice over here and when we get to zero we're completely off of him but that's what we get from Cam Newton, folks. Just once again, nothing great, nothing that's really promising, and nothing that kind of makes us buy into him anymore, folks. All right, let's go to somebody that we can buy into, Calvin Ridley. Once again, I mean, we're big on Calvin Ridley. We don't think this Falcons team is going to take a step backwards, miss a beat, miss a step. We think with this new Titans offensive coordinator, ex-Titans offensive coordinator as the Falcons' new head coach, we're going to buy into this Falcons offense heavy, folks. We're buying into it heavy already. And Calvin Ridley just once again backing it up every time he opens his mouth, and that's what we're talking about. See, once again, drastic drastic differences between Cam Newton and this Falcons team with Calvin Ridley here, folks. This is what we want to hear. Calvin Ridley aiming to, quote, keep the high, the, keep the standard high in Atlanta following the Julio Jones trade. So Calvin Ridley's not tripping on the Julio Jones trade. He's not like, oh my God, we don't have a number one. I got to step up now. He's like, yeah, I've got no problem. I've been stepping up. I'm not tripping. Get rid of him. Get rid of, every, get rid of every wide receiver on our team. I don't care. I'll be the only one out there. Put me one verse 11. I will hike the ball to myself I will throw the ball to myself I will catch the ball myself I don't care I can do it I've proven it um it doesn't matter 1v11 I can go get it done that's what we want to hear and he backs it up in this article so here we go. With Jones gone, it's now Ridley's room to lead. He feels he's learned enough from his time spent with Jones to take the reins because there's a high bar to reach now that the Falcons great is gone. Quote, Obviously, Julio Jones is one of the best receivers to ever play the game and to come through Atlanta. My goal is to keep it high, to keep that standard high. Yes, sir. There's no excuses. You know, if we perform um, you know, not very well offensively, we're not going to make the excuses. That, oh, we know, we, well, we didn't have Julio Jones. What do you expect from us? No, no, no. The standard is still high, if not higher, um, because that's what Kelvin Ridley does, folks. He's an amazing talent out there. 
learn from Julio Jones was the two whenever Julio Jones was out Calvin Ridley became the one and he was still putting up the yards in the stats so we know he can get it done and now let's go see what he can do through a full season but let's keep it up here uh, through this article Ridley credited Jones for helping him break out in 2020 in the 2020 season and as Ridley explained it Jones didn't have to do much more than just be himself to push Ridley to new heights quote I used to literally try to outdo him and that kept me hungry every day every week love that love that you know he never got complacent when he got to Atlanta it was never oh you know Julio Jones is here so I guess I'll just be a two and just try to get the breadcrumbs that you know he's leaving over no no no. he's like okay yeah Julio you're the one but I, I'm a one too and I'm gonna try to be the one I'm gonna try and beat you I'm going to try and, and beat you in practice and try to outdo you in practice and I'm gonna get it done in the game because I'm pushing myself to be the best and it's yielding results unlike Cam Newton hey I'm pushing myself but it's not yielding those results so we kind of get those differences again here but loving everything Julio, uh, Calvin Ridley is saying here, saying all the right things, pushing himself to be the best every single week, taking, you know, Julio Jones as kind of, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of a competitor, you know, um, you know, a little bit of a competition to Calvin Ridley, still trying to push himself to get better than Julio Jones. There is no complacency here in Atlanta. Who uh, Calvin Ridley is saying it, you know, every day, I, there's, a, you know, every week we have a story about Calvin Ridley and we're all about it. So, Big, big, big buying into this Falcons offense. Uh, Matt Ryan just needs to get it done. We hope they try to get this kind of nice running back. We're kind of hoping Le'Veon Bell, that would truly complete this Atlanta team. They've got the pass catchers at the wide receiver and tight end position. We're just not big on the running game, and that may be the one kind of weak spot. The, the hole in the uh, Death Star, if you will, folks. If the running game is not kind of a threat, the defenders, the corners are going to be pressing those wide receivers, um, and they're just going to play the passing game because they know they can't run on them. Mike Davis, Cordell Patterson, folks, those are their two running backs. Nothing truly great back there, so... We got a training camp coming up next month, and we'll see what the Falcons do in the meantime. But they've got the money to go spend, try and go and get Le'Veon Bell. That's kind of what we're hoping for, and that would put a nice, dynamic, explosive player in the backfield to once again open up that elite passing game even more, even more. So, Calvin Ridley, folks, aiming to keep the standard high in Atlanta, and we're hoping they come through. And now with this kind of offensive-minded head coach now that made Ryan Tannehill work, Got to give him a lot of credit for that. So we'll see how Matt Ryan and company with these great all-star. I mean, we're calling them all-stars already, folks. Superstars, A1, Tier 1 weapons throughout. Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst. I mean, folks, these are great names out here, folks. Alrighty, let's keep going here. And yes, I've seen the stories, folks. Yes, I've seen these. So yesterday... Tua, not the best practice, not the best best practice. Tua, on a five-interception day minicamp practice, says emphasis was, quote, to be aggressive, to push the ball down the field. Now, before we get into this article, I want to put some context on what happened yesterday in uh, Tua's five-interception day. 
not great at all but if you checked the weather folks if you check the weather do you see this it is torrential downpour capital t torrential downpour raining cats and dogs and elephants and giraffes and every other animal in the zoo folks so we can, you know, give them a little bit of a break, a little bit of a pass on those interceptions. And once again, it's practice. This is where you're supposed to make the mistakes to get better, to try some things out, to believe in your ability to get better. Now, it's still, you know, a little bit, you know, shocking. It is jarring. It is big news when you throw five interceptions in one practice. That's never great. Uh, we were kind of, uh, I think we clowned somebody a couple weeks ago when we were hearing about their bad practice day. So, yeah, you know, Tua, you know, uh, we will give them the criticism for the five interceptions. But, you know, let's take the, the big rain, the big wetness out there when they were practicing outside. But we can go this uh, through this article quickly just to see if there's anything in here. Um, so here we go. During Tuesday's opening day of Miami Dolphins minicamp practices, quarterback Tua struggled in what was described as monsoon-like weather. Folks, monsoon-like. That's not me saying it. That's what they were saying. And yes, we can definitely say monsoon. We went with uh, torrential downpour. But monsoon is a little bit of a more accurate word out there. So... Um, in what was described as monsoon-like weather by some beat reporters, the second-year signal caller reportedly tossed five interceptions during the session. Not an ideal situation, uh, to be sure, but Tua noted that the high number of interceptions stemmed in part from trying to be aggressive during this particular practice. Quote, that's just been the emphasis for us. Coming out to this first day of minicamp was just to be aggressive, push the ball down the field. Obviously, you want to want to be smart, but if there's a time to make mistakes, now's the time to make mistakes. We're just trying to see what we can fit in that hole, what we can throw within coverages and come in the film room and learn and then learn from it. And that's exactly what we're talking about. The biggest knock on Tua, he didn't know what open was in the NFL. Now he's going again an elite defense in practice. I mean, this Dolphins defense, we got a credit to, you know, top five, top seven at least. I'm going to say top five defense in the league, but this is a great defense. And if you're going to kind of, you know, experiment and see what's actually open against a defense, you want one of the best defenses out there. And that's what the Dolphins have. So monsoon weather, great defense. Yes, the five interceptions is inexcusable. We want to still see you get it done, but he's learning, folks. He's learning what is open, what he can fit in and what he can't fit in so once again come game time he's all ready to rock and who did we just talk about yesterday two days on the show two days ago on the show um the the quarterback making a lot of mistakes it was um 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 uh trey lance trey lance we just talked about for the 49ers uh george kittle he was gushing over him because he was being aggressive pushing the ball down the field trying to fit the ball in those windows and that's what we want to hear that's what we want to hear from in practice in training camp in otas now oh my god he was throwing wide open passes with no coverage oh my god he was looking fantastic yeah it's good to hear that but it's also kind of good to hear kind of the flip side during practices of you just trying to get 
better, trying to kind of see what you can do. This is the time to make the mistake. So we're not going to trip that Tua, you know, was through five interceptions, given all those circumstances. What is he going to do come training camp? What is he going to go? Uh, what is he going to do come week one of this league? Can he play? We do believe in him, and he's just trying to get better, learning from mistakes and trying to kind of see what his limitations are, if there are any. So, yes, two or through five interceptions, but I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Just don't do it in the game. Uh, I'm not I'm not endorsing you throwing picks, but just do not do it in the game, please. Um, and, you know, we know he didn't really do that. He did throw a couple of picks that did get called back. So, you know, his total interception number is a little bit lower than what it actually was. Uh, but overall, this is what we want to hear. Being aggressive, pushing the ball down the field. That's what we're all about. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Another story uh, moving on here. And uh, this time, uh, I don't know, man, but we'll see. Here we go. Matt Nagy reiterates Andy Dalton will be the Bears starter. Justin Fields is our number two. So he went on the Chris Collinsworth podcast um, a couple days ago. Just got released uh, yesterday, I believe. So we get some quotes out of uh, out of that podcast here. And let's see, you know, is he truly, once again, is he truly just saying, you know, right now, this moment alone, Andy Dalton's our starter. We brought him in. We promised him he would be the starter. Justin Fields fell in our lap. And now we're just kind of, you know, getting our ducks in order to make the official announcement come training camp, come, you know, maybe one, two, three weeks before the NFL season actually starts. But yes, as of right now, Andy Dalton is our one, which, you know, we've been, you know, we've been hearing stories about Matt Nagy saying, this and you know we've been hearing Andy Dalton said you know they brought him in and promised that he'd be the starter and all this and all that so yes right now he's the starter but is there a chance for him to start come week one so let's see what we get in this article right here during a recent appearance on the Chris Collinsworth podcast coach Matt Nagy was asked point blank if there's any possible scenario in which this wouldn't be the case come opening night his response was just as straightforward, quote, no, Andy is our starter. Again, I can't predict anything. You know how it goes. There's so many things that can happen between today and the week one, but Andy is our starter and Justin's our number two, and we're going to stick to this plan. So once again, yes, Matt Nagy saying Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback, but he just said it. You can't predict anything. You know you know how it goes. There's so many things that could happen. Justin Fields could look amazing in that training camp, and then, of course, we're going to make him the number one quarterback. So, Yes, this is what we've already known. Andy Dalton is the starter on paper, on paper. But come week one, he's not going to be out there, folks. He's proven nothing. He's shown us nothing. And the way that we've kind of been hearing a lot so far about Justin Fields here in Chicago, he's looking real good. He's looking real solid. Everybody's buying into him. Everybody's believing him. Even Matt Nagy had some high praise for him. Can I get the actual quote up here? I know we just talked about it. Let me see if I can bring this tweet up. It was a real good quote. It, it came last week. We talked about it on the show. Let me see if I can bring it up quickly. If we can't, we'll just forego it. It's not that big of an issue. I just wanted to get the actual wording right on this quote because it was pretty. Uh, it was a pretty good quote. It was a pretty solid quote here. 
from Matt Nagy. Here it is. He has that mentality of rip your heart out. Exactly. Wanting to go out and win that starting job. We'll do whatever it takes to win that starting job. We'll do whatever it takes to improve, to get better. Not only himself, but the entire team. He has that mentality of rip your heart out. Andy Dalton does not have that mentality, folks. You can look at him and see that he does not have that. He 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 has the mentality of seeing your heart on the floor and trying to stuff it right back in you and trying to hope to resuscitate you. And, you know, uh, Justin Fields is, you know, ripping it right out. The five, what is it, the five fingers of death, uh, kill Bill, punch right in the heart, tear your heart right out. And then Andy Dalton takes the heart and tries to stuff it in to be like, no, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right, man. We're gonna, you're going to be, keep breathing. You're good. You're good. It's no, you got no heart, but we're, we're going to fix this. You're all right. You're all right. So drastic differences here between the quarterbacks here <laughs> of, the, of the Chicago Bears. So, that's why we really think that, you know, Justin Fields is going to be the week one starter. You know, if if Andy Dalton was truly going to be the week one starter, then this is what Matt Nagy would say. Yeah, no, Andy Dalton is the week one starter. Yes, you know, anything can happen. But, uh, you know, we really kind of want to take it slow with Justin Fields, even if he's looking real good out here. You know, we're just going to take our time with him. There is no rush here. There's no rush to start a rookie quarterback. We have Andy Dalton. He's been a proven leader. He's been a proven starter in this league. He is our starting quarterback come week one, come week two, come week three, come week four. He is our week one starter. If that's what Matt Nagy really wanted to say, he would go out and say that. But we get this dance around. Yes, he's our number one starter, but anything can happen. You know how it goes. Uh, there's a lot of time between now and week one. But yeah, Andy Dalton's our starter. So once again, this kind of, you know, um, uh, how do I describe it? The uh, Just kind of, you know, the backhanded, the backhanded starter compliment, I should say. Yeah, you're our number one starter. That's kind of, you know, the, the, the good. And then the backhand comes saying, oh, anything can happen. So it's the backhanded starter, quarterback starter. Yeah, backhanded. <laughs> backhanded starting quarterback compliment. That's what we're naming it. And that is uh, that is copyrighted, so please do not use that without our permission. All right, anything else here? Of course, Nagy's podcast comments on top of Tuesday being the start of mandatory minicamp fanned the flames of speculation about where things stand and prompted one reporter to ask if Dalton was promised QB1 duties when he signed, quote, Promises, as we all know, can get pretty cra- can get pretty crazy. All right, well, did you or did you not? Um, promises, as you all know, can get pretty crazy. But what we told Andy is that he's our starter and he knows that. And that's what Justin knows. That's what Nick Foles knows. Stop. Don't even talk. Why, why are we even bringing in Nick Foles? Get that man out of Chicago, please. He's a distraction there. He brings nothing to the table. He's already had his chance. So the fact that Nick Foles could have like an inkling of hope and be like, oh, yeah, he's the one, but I could still fight for that position. No, no, Nick, you better get that thought out of your head. You're never going to be the starter ever anywhere. Jeez. That's what Nick Foles knows. The rest of our coaches, we tell these guys knowing that there's, there's got to be a start. So that's where we're at. 
And now all three of them are going to be the best quarterbacks that they can be. And then that gets into this plan that we keep talking about. And it takes a little bit of time. And once again, he's always referencing this plan. And if you remember, we did talk about this real early on, that there was a plan, that they were going to take it slow, that they weren't really going to force him out there. And this just reiterates this. And he keeps on bringing up, you know, this plan that they keep talking about of, you know, working him in. And if he gets better, we can start throwing some more stuff at him. And if he does get better, we can keep, you know, giving him more responsibility out there. And then, you know, when it comes time, it comes time. And that's in the plan. When it comes time, it comes time. And we can see it's not going to be that hard to beat out Andy Dalton, folks. It's not going to be that hard. All right. Anything else here in this article? We got this last one right here. For now, field supporters will at least have those th the, those three contests to look forward to. What what contest is he talking about? Let's see. Um, all right, I don't know what contest he's talking about. But either way, back to this. Uh, for now, field supporters will at least have those three contests to look forward to. As for everything else outside of that, the club doesn't intend to deviate from its master plan should things go as projected. Quote, we all get excited about Justin Fields. We'd all be lying if we said something different. But that said, we're excited about Andy Dalton too. Well, that doesn't sound too promising. Oh my God, we're so excited about Justin Fields. And we'd be lying if we said we weren't excited. And um, oh yeah, we do. We love Andy Andy Dalton too. He's our starter, don't you know? Of course we love him. Uh, quote, and we know that if we stick to this plan that we have, that everything's going to be just fine. Let's face it. When you go through OTAs, when you go through training camp, when you go through preseason, the only goal that we have is to put the best quarterback out there. And Andy Dalton is our starter. Justin's our number two. And Nick's our number three. How unfortunate. You know, he's been there the longest. Nick Foles has been there the longest and is automatically number three. Got, getting beat out by a rookie quarterback. And we hear it right here. Justin Fields says, at the end of the day, where does he say it? Um, let's face it. When you go through OTAs, training camps, and preseason, the only goal that we have is to put the best quarterback out there. And he just said that Nick Foles is their number three. How funny is that? Um, and we're going to... And we're going to play that out and make sure that they're all competing. And that's as simple as that. So once again, yes, Andy Dalton's the starter. But when it comes to week one, they will put the best quarterback out there. And we got training camps opening up next month, folks. No doubt that Justin Fields is going to be able to beat out Andy Dalton. Once again, these are backhanded compliments on the starting quarterback yes Andy Dalton's our starting quarterback but the backhand comes when you know anything can happen and we're gonna put the best guy out there when it comes uh when it comes time so Matt Nagy can say whatever he wants but I start put the money I think can you bet this on uh DraftKings let me see real quick uh can you bet that the starting week one quarterback is going to be Justin Fields I believe you can let's see offseason specials New England Patriots starting quarterback 49ers and the Saints damn they don't got it damn they do not have the you cannot bet the Bears starting quarterback how unfortunate you can do the Patriots Cam Newton minus 305 Mac Jones plus 250 uh, 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo minus 278 Trey Lance plus 220 
And then for the Saints, Jameis Winston minus 250. Taysom Hill plus 175. I think I like that. I like the uh, Taysom Hill plus 175 and the Trey Lance plus 220. Throw a couple of bucks on those. Um, I would. I do not think Mac Jones could be there week one. Um, and, you know, that just, you know, once again, kind of, you know, reaffirms what we just said because out of those kind of three number two quarterbacks of so those three teams that we just announced, uh, Mac Jones is plus 250. That's the worst. Trey Lance is plus 220. And Taysom Hill is plus 175. So, um, yeah, I do like Trey Lance and Taysom Hill. Some solid odds there to make a couple of bucks on. Unfortunately, we cannot uh, bet our entire house that uh, Justin Fields will be the starter. How unfortunate. All right, last uh, football story to go over. Here we go. Steelers' new offensive coordinator plans to lean on Roethlisberger, saying we are going to do what Ben wants to do and how Ben wants to do it. Okay, okay. You might get yourself into a little trouble with that. Big Ben's not going to – I mean, this is his last year, folks. He is going to go balls to the wall. He will throw till his shoulder literally falls off of his body. So, you know, believing it, believing blindly and, you know, just kind of doing whatever he wants could get the Steelers team into some trouble, especially if Najee Harris is looking real good. Maybe Big Ben doesn't kind of want to share that limelight in his final season. Maybe he audibles out of these plays. Oh, it's not a rush. It's not a running play. It's an ADR bomb play. What are, we, what are you talking about? It's an ADR bomb. I'm letting it loose. And then the ball only goes four yards and it's an easy pick. But let's see what we're talking about here. Entering his 18th NFL season, Ben Roethlisberger is learning a new offense under first-year offensive coordinator Matt Canada. The offensive coordinator speaking to the media for the first time since being promoted from quarterback's coach in January said, while the playbook might be different, the plan remains the same. Build around Big Ben's strengths. Quote, I think in football, it is 11 men doing their job, but the quarterback is their focal point. We are going to do what Ben wants to do and how Ben wants to do it. Our job is putting every player in a position to make plays. Unfortunately, that's what um, hurt the Steelers last year. Big Ben couldn't make the plays. They had no run game, and Big Ben just could not make the throws come week 16 because the shoulder was falling off the bone, unfortunately. So, you know, trying to do whatever Big Ben wants... That's going to get you in some trouble here. You need to build the offense around Najee Harris. That's what it is. You need the running game. It's got to be like the Titans, folks. Having Derrick Henry be your main person and then just relying on the quarterback and the wide receivers to be game managers. And I'm taking Big Ben over Ryan Tannehill as a game manager, even though that Big Ben's in his 18th 18th year. And I'm definitely taking the plethora of great Steelers wide receivers over the Titans wide receivers for the last two seasons. Maybe not now with um, with uh, Julio Jones in the mix. But, I mean, can we talk about how, how great these Steelers wide receivers are? Let's get their depth chart up. Juju Smith-Schuster. They've got Chase Claypool. They've got uh, Deontay Johnson. I mean, they've got them all. James Washington. They got Ray Ray McLeod as their fifth option, folks. That's a fifth option wide receiver right there. Solid. I'll give them solid there for Ray Ray McLeod. So, and then you got Eric Ebron at the tight end position. So they've got pieces everywhere, but you need to make sure that running game is A1 tier one. It's gotta be, folks. We just saw what the Steelers could do with great wide receivers and no running game. 
It's, you know, an undefeated season up until, what, week 12? And then you start losing games, and then you don't even win your first playoff game. That's what we just saw. So you need to build this offense around Najee Harris. Let Big Ben be the game manager. You know, have the heavy run game. And then, you know, you've got great wide receivers when they're not the main focal point that are definitely just going to be absolutely more elite than what they can be because the defense is focusing on the running game, which is the focal point of your offense and then just have Big Ben slinging around on the play actions on the passes that you fake them out with the run when they're all pushed up for the run that's when you take it big you save Big Ben's arm for the back half of the season we don't care if you go 5-0 and that's going to mean nothing if it does not result into at least one playoff win a nice deep playoff run the 5-0 and will be will mean nothing if it's all relied on Big Ben it's it's going to be a mute point it's going to be unfortunate but that's how the season played out last year and I don't want to see the same thing twice folks what are we talking about so we'll see. This could be dangerous, folks. This could possibly be really not good here for this uh, this new offensive coordinator. But we'll see if he kind of reins it in, changes his thinking, or maybe we're just blowing out, uh, blowing these quotes out of proportion. But let's keep up with this article. We got a couple more to go. Uh, the expectation is that Canada will employ more pre-snap motion, jet sweeps, and tempo changes than the previous iteration of the Steelers' offense. The new offensive coordinator believes the tweaks to the offense will fit the 39-year-old well, and the quarterback won't limit the operation. Quote, I do kind of like this, you know, more jet sweeps, absolutely. You've got talent everywhere. The ball doesn't need to kind of be in Big Ben's hands every single play. Here we go, quote, we would certainly continue to use tempo and use the thing that Ben is very good at to let the offense be the most productive it possibly can be. There are changes with terminology and how we are calling things, which has been a challenge for Ben, but he has been great at learning it. I don't have any concern about Ben doing anything we want him to do. And then the last uh, quote here leading up to the quote, Canada noted that he was given a directive from team president Art Rooney, uh, general manager Kevin Colbert, and coach Mike Tomlin to improve the running game. Yes, exactly. You need to. You def it's like, it's a necessity, folks. You definitely need to. So at least everybody's on the same page on that, and that's fantastic. Uh, the new offensive coordinator expects that operation – to improve behind first round pick Najee Harris. Exactly, folks. We've been saying this. We've been saying this before the draft, folks. Exactly. So, all right. This is kind of making us see. This is kind of making us buy into the Steelers a little bit more. Canada also noted Harris's ability in the passing game. Yes, yes, he's saying, okay, all right, we've got nothing to worry about for the Steelers team. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows that Najee Harris can catch the ball as good as he can run it, folks. We had Najee Harris as our number one on our big board, folks. Here he is, Najee Harris, number one, Travis Etienne, number two. We wanted the Dolphins to take Najee Harris at number 17 in the draft, and that didn't happen, unfortunately, but the Steelers were able to go him up and I'm fine that he went there I've got no problem because he's going to be able to excel here so alrighty yes sir let's finish oh, I'm glad we finished off this article here fantastic all right Canada also noted Harris's ability in the passing game 
I mean, folks, we watched the play over and over and over again. In the national championship game, the ball thrown right behind him because Mac Jones is not that accurate of a passer. Mac Jones throws the ball way behind Najee Harris. He turns around one-handed catch, uh, turns right back around, and then finishes off for the 15 yards for the touchdown, folks. It's an amazing play. You have to go watch it if you have not seen it. It's the best play of the entire national championship game this season, and it's Najee Harris doing it. So we love it. All right. <clears throat> Canada also noticed, noted Harris's ability in the passing game would help keep the running back on the field all three downs, which will allow the Steelers to be more deceptive in their plans. Oh, my good. All right, folks. I'm buying. I'm 100% bought into this team now. Oh, yes. Steelers are potential Super Bowl champions. It's them or the Colts coming out of the AFC. I'm loving it already. Quote, matchups are the key to football, and what Najee can do in a game at receiver is something we are very excited about. I think he's going to have a tremendous season. Oh, yes, so do we, folks. Yes, sir. I think he's going to have a tremendous season and a tremendous career. Oh, yes, sir. We think he's going to rival kind of what uh, Derrick Henry's doing. Uh, maybe not as good as Derrick Henry uh, because Derrick Henry's fantastic, but he could definitely be that tier level of running back that we want to see in this league. Uh, in a tremendous career because of his skill set, his work ethic, and his football intelligence. Oh my, okay. They sold me, folks. I, I don't know. We I know we said we're going to be Bucks fans this year, but I think we're going to be Steelers fans this year, folks. I cannot wait to see what Najee Harris does and uh, Canada here. What's his first name? Matt Canada. He knows what's up, folks. We are one billion percent believers in Matt Canada go get it done and go let Ben Roethlisberger ride off into the sunset with a Super Bowl win all righty I'm loving it Woof! I'm loving it now Woof! all righty let's uh, keep going here this is the last uh, football story that we have for today uh Robbie Anderson says uh quarterback Sam Darnold has a quote different aura in Carolina Alrighty, that's good because what Sam Darnold has done for the Jets, folks, uh, lackluster on lackluster. I mean, folks, we're going to read his stats for his first three seasons here, and this is nothing great. We had Justin Herbert come in year one and absolutely excel fantastically. Now, you know, granted... Sam Darnold had Adam Gase, and he's the worst offensive mind. He will ruin anybody he touches. We've seen it time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. So we're giving Sam Darnold a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because of his coaching staff. Absolutely trash. Even Todd Bowles, defensive-minded head coach. Yes, he's a great defense coordinator. That's why he just won a Super Bowl, but uh, he's not a head coach. So Sam Darnold has truly kind of been hindered his first three years, but he still never kind of looked great out there. And here we go. His stats, year one, 57% completion percentage, trash, 2,800 yards, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. All that is absolutely garbage, folks. Year two, 61% completion percentage. You could round it up to 62, and that's the cutoff. We want to see 62 to 65. That is good. That is the good range that we have in the NFL. So he's right, he's right on the edge of starting to be good. 3,000 yards in 13 games, solid there. 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. We got to be 2-1 to one at least, and that is not 2-1 to one touchdown interception ratio. And then he took a big step back in 2020, 59% completion percentage, 2,200 yards in 12 games, 9 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That's negative touchdown to interception ratio. We can never be having that. That's never toler tolerable. So absolutely trash first three years here. Hopefully he can re revitalize. Well, it's not even revitalizing his career. It's literally just getting your career started here in Carolina. But let's see what Robbie Anderson is saying. They were teammates in the Jets, and then Robbie Anderson went to Sam Dar or went to Teddy B in Carolina and had a breakout season. 
And we'll see if uh, Sam Darnold can kind of uh, replicate what Teddy B did. But let's see what uh, Robbie Anderson is saying here. Carolina Panthers receiver Robbie Anderson sent, spent two seasons with quarterback Sam Darnold in New York. The wideout sees something different in the signal caller in their reunion in Charlotte. Quote, I saw like a new en energy out of him, a glowing charisma that I didn't really see in New York. You know when a person, you can see a glow in them, their energy and aura. I can see that when I walked into the building and just being around him. I mean, I would have that glow too. Oh my God, I don't have trash all around me. I don't have a trash head coach. Thank God. Oh my God, thank goodness. I am smiling. I am cheesing. I am ready to rock, baby. Uh, so I can definitely understand it here. All right, anything else? Uh, short article here, but uh, one last quote. After not taking part in voluntary OTAs, minicamp this week was Anderson's first chance to see Darnold in action in new in the new offense. The wideout believes that rules system will help unlock Darnold's talent. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was looking pretty solid out there. We'll see if it's rules system. We'll see. Quote, the New York system was a little bit more complex. I never like hearing that. When a player doesn't flourish because of a complex system, that's never anything good. Um, and that, that New York system is not complex. What is complex about running a wide receiver screen on first down, running the ball on second down, and now it's third and ten, and it's a random play? I don't know if it's that complicated. <laughs> Adam Gase, I don't know if he knows complexity. <laughs> All right, the New York system was a little more complex and had a lot of nuances and things like that that was more difficult for everybody, not just him or me. Okay, okay. That's not too promising. Uh, quote, I think this system is a little bit more grasp graspable. All righty. So Sam Donald is lighting up new or new aura about him and this is a more graspable offense for all players involved offensively so we'll see how he's looking and uh you know Robbie Anderson had a thousand yard receiving season last year so we're gonna hold him to that standard we're gonna hold Sam Donald to that standard we're going to hold Matt Rule to that standard to see if Matt Rule ultimately made the right decision of getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater after only one season and bringing in Sam Darnold, who's never proven anything. So uh, Carolina, they are under a big microscope this season for us, folks. Big old microscope, and we'll be uh, paying attention to them very heavy. All right, let's talk about some basketball stories. All right, what the hell is going on? It's like the the world flipped upside down overnight. So we got some bad news out here. Chris Paul has entered COVID-19 health and safety protocols. What? They're still testing? I didn't even know they were still testing. We're done. We just had a fireworks show in New York. I mean, we're done. The, the pandemic's over. Cuomo finally uh, lifted all the restrictions. There was fireworks going off all night last night. It's time to celebrate, baby. And the NBA is still testing. Testing? We're still testing for this? Why? Why? It's done. It's over. So, this is not good. Now, the only good thing is that, you know, Chris Paul and company took care of business with the sweeps. We've got, uh, you know, some time to kind of get out of the protocols. I, but I think you do need at least 10 to 14 days, which is definitely not good. Now, the Clippers, um, the Clippers, um, let me see if I can get an official uh, start date on the next series. But but um, the Clippers and Jazz are in a tied 2-2 series. So potentially they can kind of just drag out the next couple of days, the next couple of games. And then by the time that the, conference, the Western Conference champions start, uh, Chris Paul will be out of the health and safety protocol. So let's see if we can get a firm date date on this game seven if necessary for the Clippers and Jazz will be June 20th 
This just came out today, so that's four days. And that's as far as we can go. That's as far as we can see. Alrighty. So, we got anything else here? No scheduled games. So, the 20th is the is the final day of the Jazz Clippers series at maximum if it goes seven days. And then maybe you get two days off and then the conference championship starts. So that would be June 22nd, I would say, as early as the earliest of the Western Conference uh, Finals. Why do I keep saying Western Conference Championship game? The Western Conference Finals. So that is uh, six days. Chris Paul may miss the first two games. If you have to be out 10 to 14 days, that's not good. That's not good at all. Now, uh, they should still be competitive. Uh, without Chris Paul because Cameron Payne will fill in that role and we believe that he can definitely do that but he's definitely not going to do what Chris Paul does I mean we just read you the first round numbers or the second round numbers for Chris Paul it's like 25 points a game 15 assists on uh, or 42 assists total with only five turnovers I like Cameron Payne but he's not that he's not that but he could be serviceable and just rely on Devin Booker so this is not great. It's unfortunate. I mean, all these injuries. Now they're trying to mess with the 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 Suns here with Chris Paul. So hopefully he's good to go. Hopefully you know this isn't a blown out thing because I mean this is always happens with Chris Paul an injury in the playoffs. We get the health and safety protocols, and it's not looking out too good out here. So. Hopefully, this is just a quick little non-story. Hopefully, it goes away quick. Hopefully, it doesn't have to be out 10 to 14 days because it'll probably miss the start of the Western Conference Finals. Not great. So, that's story number one. But then we get this one right here. Not good either. Kawhi Leonard is out tonight, folks. What? Why? He just dunked on somebody, posterized somebody, and got the win in game number four to tie up the series 2-2. But Kawhi Leonard is expected to miss game five. He is officially out. Um, with a knee injury he suffered in game four, folks. Not great. And this Clippers team just tied it up 2-2 against the Jazz. And now, no Kawhi Leonard. Who's going to be that score? Who's going to be able to score on this Clippers team? We were struggling to find scores. They have good defense. Paul George has been good these last two games. But be besides Reggie Jackson and Paul George, can we rely on anybody? Marquise Morris? Marcus? Marcus? Marquise? I think it's Marcus. Marcus Morris, I mean, he had a great game four as well, but he's kind of streaky as a three-point shooter at the four. So they're going to definitely need a three that can score the ball, and I don't know if they got another score off that bench. So Kawhi being out for this Clippers team tonight, it's definitely going to be very bad, especially when they're on the road. They're going to have to rely on their defense big, big, big time. But once again, Kawhi Leonard was that great defender on their team as well. So this is not great. We'll see what the line is when we officially uh, – pick for this game but this is not looking good we got two star players out just just like that overnight no kind of lead up no kind of reports no rumors just you wake up today and the NBA has gone to all hell and not only had these two players um got injured and will not be playing injured slash health and safety protocols we get coach firings today folks it was truly bizarre so the first coach that is gone is scott brooks with the wizards they just could not agree on a contract and he ends up walking now we could probably say that russell westbrook will also leave because they have just been together they were together for the thunder and then they both leave and go to the wizards so we can expect that uh, russell westbrook will not be a wizard next year as well and we'll see 
see where Scott Brooks goes to coach because we can assume that Russell Westbrook will follow suit. They kind of, you know, they stick with each other. Unlike Kevin Durant and James Harden, who left, who left Russell Westbrook, Scott Brooks and Russell Westbrook, they will not leave each other. So we'll see where this kind of duo goes. And then the other coach that got fired, which is absolutely 1,000% deserved, is Stan Van Gundy got fired from the Pelicans head coaching job. And yes, definitely deserved so. How do you not at least make the play-in tournament? We're not even talking about a playoff spot. We're talking about a play-in tournament spot, one of the top 10 teams in, the, in your conference, and you don't even make that, folks? They finished 11th. They finished 11th at 31 and 41. Absolutely trash. Two games back of that 10th seed. Absolutely abysmal. End of the season on a four-game losing streak. Four-game losing streak. What? What? When you have a chance to potentially get the 10th seed, Spurs went on a four-game losing streak. You went on a four-game losing streak. I mean, you only needed to win like three out of those four last games to make the 10th seed to potentially get into the playoffs, and you could. Couldn't even do that? Trash! With Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Steven Adams, and Lonzo Ball, you couldn't make a 10th seed? So absolutely deserved to be out of there. Um... The NBA has no tolerance of Zion Williamson not being in the playoffs. He's been in the league two years, not a playoffs performance yet, and they cannot wait to eat that story up. So, of course, Stan Van Gundy had to be fired, could not make it work, and now you got a lackluster, you got a you got a decent team, no head coach, no really great coach, uh, coach availability. I mean, we're talking about Jason Kidd and Karan Butler. Um, okay, unproven head coaches out here. So, we'll see. Who gets this um, Pelicans job? We know Lonzo doesn't even want to be there anymore, so we'll see where he goes, and uh, we'll see what they do for this Pelicans team. But Sam Van Gundy definitely had to be big out there, way underperforming here, only 31 wins. I don't care that it was his only season. I do not care. I do not care at all. <laughs> so, uh, Coaches firings, players out, injured. What the hell is going on in the NBA? Alrighty, what shall we do? Went a little bit long on those stories. Can we fit in? I don't know if we can fit in Aaron Rodgers' uh, playoff performance today. Uh, can we go quick? Probably not. Probably going to take 25 to 30 minutes for that. So we'll try to get that back on track tomorrow. So let's go to the NBA from last night. Bucks, Nets, game number five out here and uh the nets end up winning the game because kevin mother loving durant folks kevin 49 piece durant almost 50 but missed his last free throw how unfortunate but kevin durant just goes absolutely manic manic and wins the game basically uh bucks had like a 17 point lead in the first half and really blew it and then they even had a chance to really you know get back in the game but Giannis fumbling the ball here for the turnover I mean what a great pass by Middleton Giannis had a free dunk blew it by not being able to corral the ball here turnover and that was basically game so once again Giannis coming up absolutely big flounder here 
in this playoff series. He's trying to kind of, he, he can't even play, folks. I mean, uh, he, when you're watching this man try to play and try to get into the paint, I mean, it's the same thing. He takes the ball at the three-point line, has all these kind of big dribble moves like he's going to do something and then resorts back to his one move that he has to spin and then it gets locked up and then he misses a, you know, a layup or just kind of a, a short shot and then the Nets go out and drain a three and then Giannis tries to hit a three to make up for that and we know that doesn't turn out so well and now they're down big bad and Giannis is like, oh, give me the ISO, clear out the lane, I'm going to try and take Blake Griffin to the bucket, but he can't cross over anybody, he acts all big, I mean, he's got some big wingspan so the dribbles look big, but it's the same thing, he gets like a running start into the paint and then tries a spin move and then it's a, it's a clunk off the iron, so... Giannis is truly floundering big time in the series, and uh, we just saw it again, once again, last night. Six, uh, four turnovers for Giannis. He shot four threes and made two of them. He was truly feeling himself, but unfortunately still come up a little short. So let's start with this Nets team since they got the win. Kevin Durant, 49 points, 10 assists, 17 rebounds. Jeez, Louise, he shot four of nine from the three, coming up clutch in the second half, coming up clutch in the fourth quarter. So we give that man all the credit. James Harden ended up playing 45 minutes. Now, it was not a truly productive 45 minutes. He had five points, but still managed to get those eight assists. So definitely respect that. Six rebounds to go along with all that. But he shot absolutely abysmal. 0 of 8 from the three and only 1 of 10 from the field. Shot 10% last night. So James Harden, you know, decent defense. He was a plus four on the floor, most mostly because Kevin Durant. And uh, did we mention that Kevin Durant played every single minute last night? An absolute fantastic player performance. This will go down in the history books as one of the as a classic player performance here for Kevin Durant. And he didn't even look tired after it. After the game, he you know he's on the uh, on on court interview and he's not sweating. He's not out of breath. The man could have win for another forty eight minutes folks it was truly insane so Steve Nash keeps him out there the entire game he wanted to be out there the entire game they got down big bad folks uh let's see uh, the first quarter breakdown they got outscored 29 to 15 and then in the second quarter they got outscored 30 to 28 a little bit closer there but still a big lead going into halftime and then the Bucks went out and blew it for the rest of the game in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter all right, Bruce Brown, I mean, once again, only playing 13 minutes, but two points on five shots. He couldn't get it done. Blake Griffin, 17 points, three rebounds. He shot three of six from the three. Once again, you know, classic Blake Griffin out here. We'll give him credit for that. And Joe Harris couldn't even get his either. Joe Harris, another poor night out of, out of him, and they're still able to get the win. That's a little unfair out there. But Joe Harris, five points on one of seven from three in two of 11, 18% from the field. Jeez, jeez. So Joe Harris having a abysmal night James Harden having an abysmal night but Kevin mother loving Durant says just hold on we're staying home and we're getting this win so very well done there and then the kind of the other great player from last night was Jeff Green folks 27 points off the bench he played 34 minutes but seven of eight from the three folks and he missed his three in the fourth quarter folks he went seven of seven from three for basically the entire game 
shot another three late in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, did not go. But that's when Kevin Durant got onto his bullshit and hit back-to-back threes, uh, two of his four threes that he hit after Joe Jeff Green couldn't go anymore offensively. So Jeff Green had an amazing night, a plus 12 on the floor, the, the, the best of the squad, 27 points, shooting lights out, 72% from the field, 7 of 8 from 3. You'll love to see it. And then we got Landry Shaman also off the bench, uh, attributing nine points, two assists, and two rebounds in 27 minutes. So absolutely love that. So Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, once again, just beefing up down low, making it hard for Giannis to score down low in the paint. And, uh, you know, just Giannis can't get it done offensively. Giannis not switching off and kind of guarding Kevin Durant either. What the hell is that about? I mean, having P.J. Tucker on Kevin Durant, it doesn't work. Yes, you body him up, but he can just rise up and shoot over you. It doesn't matter. How tall is P.J. Tucker? He's like 6'4", folks. Let's get the official height here. 6'5", maybe officially. 6'5", officially. Do y'all know what Kevin Durant is? 6'11". Well, they got him listed at officially. 6'10", officially. And that's a little bit of a lie. He's 6'11", folks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, get this man off. Giannis! Have Giannis guard him! Have Giannis! What is he listed at officially? 6'11". He's basically 7 foot. Get that man on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is just rising up over P.J. Tucker. Yes, P.J. Tucker bodies him up, but Kevin Durant can get by him easy and just rise up above him. It's a little nonsense out here. So Giannis, and then we get after the game. Oh, Giannis is like, oh, I can't wait to guard Kevin Durant in game six. You should have just did it here in game five when you had the lead. The hell is that? So Giannis just truly floundering in this playoff series. Not even one good game. Even in their two wins, I mean, they put up like 80 points. So truly letting the team down here, Giannis is. So let's talk about this Bucks team. Giannis, 34 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. He shot 63% from the field on 22 shots. Not bad. He shot 2 of 4 from the 3. He was kind of feeling himself. But at the end of the day, I mean, the turnover that we just saw, the butterfingers from the great pass of Chris Middleton not being that clutch elite player that we need Giannis to be. We get Kevin Durant, clutching elite. Giannis is not at that level yet. And I don't know if anybody can get on Kevin Durant's level. The man is fantastic. Uh, he did it against LeBron. He's doing it here against Giannis, against his Bucks team. You got to give the man credit. All right. What else we get? P.J. Tucker, zero points. He only took three shots. That's not his thing. Two threes, missed them both. He was a minus two on the floor in a official six-point loss. Not terrible either. Brooke Lopez at the five, 15 points, six rebounds. Chris Middleton, 25 points. He shot 36%. Once again, Chris Middleton at the two. He's just not efficient. That's why he plays the three. Uh, He just really cannot be a two. He shot three of 10 from the three, 25 points. And then Drew Holiday still at the one, 19 points, eight assists, trying to do his thing out there. Shot 43% on 16 shots and three of seven from the three. Then off the bench, what do we get? Bryn Forbes, five points on three shots. Wish they would play him a little bit more. A little bit more. I really wish this lineup would change. Put Giannis, keep Giannis at the four, Chris Middleton at the three, and then bring Brian Forbes up to that starting rotation. P.J. Tucker cannot be out on the floor for 33 minutes, folks. He can't guard Kevin Durant. It doesn't matter, and he doesn't have any scoring production out there. So you have to get him out there. It's going back to Milwaukee for game six. They've won the last four games in Milwaukee against the Nets so you got to give him credit there but it's just I don't like PJ Tucker there out on the starting roster folks 
Brent Forbes had a great Series 1, um, not really getting it done off the bench. Um, but uh, I would still elevate him up to that starting uh, starting position. I mean, he only took three shots and was efficient. One of one from the three, 66% on three shots. But at the end of the day, they need scoreability in that starting roster. And P.J. Tucker is the opposite of scoreability, folks. He doesn't even shoot the ball because he can't. He can't score. So, um and especially against this Nets team and everybody's on all cylinders all the freaking time. Kevin Durant putting up 49 points. You need scoreability out there on the floor. You need one through five to be dangerous. That's why Giannis is trying to hit the three so desperately in the series. You need players that can stretch the floor, open it up down low for Giannis, while also having that threat of scoring the ball. You need to play these players close because they can score the ball. And P.J. Tucker doesn't do that. Sag off of him. Clog the paint even more. Because we're, we'll we'll let P.J. Tucker shoot. We'll dare him to shoot. They did it. He shot two threes. Missed them both. Shot another shot. Missed that one too. So we'll see what Mike Bootenhauser does for game number three or game number six. I mean, uh, you, you won both times in Milwaukee with P.J. Tucker in the starting lineup. So maybe you can keep him there. But it's just narrow victories. Narrow, small, close victories. I don't know if you can rely on that. All right, uh, Pat Connaughton off the bench, 10 points, 6 rebounds, real solid work out there. And like we said, Britton Forbes, 5 points on only three, shot, 3 shots. Those are the only two players that really played off the bench. So, Bucks once again, coming up short, blowing the lead. Kevin Durant going manic, manic, folks, manic. This will go down as one of kind of Kevin Durant's best playoff performances of all time. This will be talked about for the rest of his career. And, hey, it was a great night. It made history. And we'll give Kevin Durant so much freaking credit. We know. I mean, Kevin Durant has the ability to be the greatest player of all time. It's just unfortunate. That he pairs up with other superstars. I mean, just because we've seen LeBron with trash carry trash to the finals, we've never seen Kevin Durant do that. Couldn't take James Harden in, Russell Westbrook, and couldn't be clutch and elite during those years. They made it to the finals. They, you know, challenged the great Warriors team. Was up, what, 3-2, 3-1 against... Were they up 3-1 in that series? I think they were against that, uh, that uh, Golden State series up 3-1 and then they lose and Kevin Durant goes, joins the team. So that's the only thing that's holding Kevin Durant back. Can he carry trash, absolute garbage, uh, to a finals? Can he do that? Because that's what we saw from LeBron James. So Kevin Durant's a great scorer. Nobody's doubting that. Slim Reaper, he hits all the clutch shots. We've seen it time again. Hit the clutch shot over LeBron in the finals. So fantastic there. Closing out the series over LeBron. Winning the finals over LeBron. Wild. But we haven't seen what his maximum potential is as a leader, as a scorer, when it's just him out there. So that's the only kind of knock on Kevin Durant. That's the only knock. We can't. We don't know if he can carry trash. That's it. But um, everything else is absolutely fantastic by this man. Slim Reaper, easy money, and uh, he goes out there and gets it done. So well done for the Nets last night, winning 114-108. Series is up 3-2 now for the Nets, heading back to Milwaukee for Game 6. Can they finally win? We've seen them lose the last two meetings in Milwaukee in the end of the regular season. They just lost the last two games there in Milwaukee in this series. So we got uh, kind of game number five. Can the Nets finally win in Milwaukee? All right, then we got the NBA on tonight, folks. We got two game fives, pivotal game fives. Which team will be one game away from reaching the conference finals? Jeez, folks. Woof. This playoff, uh, this playoff run, even though with all the injuries, it's been a pretty solid one so far. So, 
Let's get these lines up to date. Mr. Mark, we chose the Bucks minus three. They let us down big time in the second half, unfortunately. Kevin Rant, you know, you can't bet against them. How unfortunate. All right, so here we go. First game up, Hawks and the seven. Wow. Holy moly, folks. Hawks plus seven? 76ers minus seven? Oh, my God. I'm going to eat that value. Uh, here we go for the ins and outs. Cam Reddish out and Trey Young is a game time decision with that shoulder. Ooh, that's interesting. Let's see if we get any news on Trey Young here. Mike Connolly is once again ruled out. How unfortunate. Um, anything else here? Anything else on uh, Trey Young's injury, shoulder injury? We saw it last game. He's probable for Wednesday, so he's good to go. And Trey Young still balled out in in their last meeting. And what was the big thing that we heard? We just talked about it yesterday on the show. What was Clint Capella saying about Joel Embiid? He gets fatigued. And when he's fatigued, he's not the same player. And that's exactly what we saw last game, folks. Joel Embiid letting them down in the second half. Shot like one of eight, one of nine, one of ten in the second half, folks. Not getting it done. And that's what Clint Capella says. And it comes, it's true. We see it as the season, as the series progress, as the as Joel Embiid gets deeper and deeper into the playoffs, the fatigue on him, he's going down low. He's body, he's battling these big bodies down low and isn't productive as the series progresses. So the 76ers need to rely on Joel Embiid heavy, heavy. He's their main focal point of the offense. He can stretch the floor with the threes. He's great down low. And the Hawks just need to keep bodying him and letting it work. I mean, Joel Embiid was great in the first half of game number four. And then in the second half went ghost mode because of the fatigue. Now we got game five. Fatigue is once again setting in for Joel Embiid. And the offensive production for the 76ers will be kind of lackluster overall. So I'm going to take the Hawks plus seven here. We need the other shooters on this Hawks team to step it up. They were absolutely unclutch in game number four. Luckily, the Hawks were able to kind of steal game four because it wasn't looking too good for them. But at some point, their shooting slump of the outside shooters have to come to an end. They've been great all season. They were kind of real great in that Knicks series. Just against the 76ers team, the defense is kind of locking it up. But I think the seven points here is great value. We're just kind of, you know, live and die by the Hawks threes. And we're, it's got to it's gotta be great at some point, folks, right? And once again, the big thing that we've seen from this Hawks team in the series is they're able to kind of make up when the 76ers go on big runs and extend the lead like the tw 10 to 15 the Hawks are able to chip away that lead and get right back into it that's big promising signs here so I'm going to take the Hawks plus seven here and I'm going to expect Joel Embiid as the series progresses as we're in game number five now as the series progresses he's going to keep dwindling on his kind of ability to score and his fatigue overall um Clint Capella pointed it out exactly to a T, and that's exactly what we saw in the tape when we were watching the game in game number four. So I'm going to take the Hawks to keep it close, if not win, Hawks plus seven. 
All right, then we get the Clippers and the Jazz. And man, oh man, this series, obviously. Um, what Can I see where this value started? Oh, yes, here we go. Wow. All right, so here it is. Clippers plus seven, Jazz minus seven. Now, when it was Kawhi playing, the opening line was Jazz minus two and a half. So Kawhi being out just skyrocketed this uh, value, unfortunately. And that's to be expected. Who's going to score on this Clippers team, folks? Let's just take it back to what happened in game number four here for the Clippers and Jazz. Clippers put up 118 points. What did Kawhi do? 31. 31 points. Now, who else scored here in game number four for the Clippers? We had Marcus Morris with 24 and Paul George with 31. Who's going to be able to make up that 31 points production? Now, Reggie Jackson has that ability to put up like 20, but can Marcus Morris be solid here this entire series? That's something to be kind of uh, determined. Let's see what he did in this entire series so far. Uh, where can we go? Here we go. All right. The first game against the Jazz, he put up nine points. Second game, he put up eight. Third game, he put up six. Fourth game was the outlier game of 24 points. So he's not really consistently reliable scoring the ball. So if we're gonna if we're gonna say that Reggie Jackson has a good game, that's still fine. But we're still missing that 31 point production because we're just assuming Marcus Morris is 24. It's probably gonna go to like Reggie Jackson. And who's gonna make up that 31 points of Kawhi Leonard? It's not Nicholas Batum. Paul George, he's gonna have to be on his bullshit, and he has been the last two games looking real good out here. But who can rely on Patrick Beverly? He doesn't doesn't score. Terrence Mann, he's been kind of lackluster. He's going to have to step it up. Luke Kennard, now this is a possibility. They better play Luke Kennard like uh, 30 minutes in this game for the offensive production because he can kind of do that. He proved it. First game against the Jazz, put up 18 points. He played 29 minutes in that game. Then 10 minutes game two, 17 minutes game three. 12 minutes game four, and that's why the scoring production wasn't there. So put Luke Kennard in the starting lineup. Give him the minutes. You need scoring to come from somewhere. And because I'm not reliable on the scoring, and I don't I don't really believe in Ty Lue to make the right call here for their starting lineups and just their rotations in general, I have to take the Jazz minus seven, even though Mike Connolly back in Utah. The Clippers have proven they cannot win in Utah, and I cannot rely on Ty Lue to make the correct lineup um, because I still think Luke Kennard's not going to get minutes. And Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard should be getting minutes here to make up for Kawhi Leonard's absence of scoring the ball, folks. 31 points. They need to make up 31 points somehow. I don't know how they're going to do it, but Ty Lue better figure that out. I would put my money on Luke Kennard and maybe Terrence Mann. Give them 25 minutes equally off the bench and let them work. Let the offense run through Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and then getting the kind of shooters of Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard. But we need points to come from somewhere because no Kawhi Leonard, and I cannot trust Ty Lu to make the right call. So I'm going to go Jazz minus seven tonight. So that's going to be our moneymaker for tonight's action. Hawks plus seven, Jazz minus seven. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, feeling confident here, getting some great points here with the Hawks and the Clippers. I just cannot trust their scoreability. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Let's see if anything was breaking as we were alive. Anything good out here? What do we got? Wow. Oh, my God. So they're kind of, you know, upgrading Kawhi Leonard's injury to even worse, an ACL injury. Man, oh, man.
Man, oh man. This is absolute killer. Absolutely killer for this Clippers team. Jeez, man. Unfortunate, man. Doesn't seem like anything else is breaking. So we'll leave it here for today. We're back tomorrow, breaking down the NBA, doing the stories of the day, and we will officially, hopefully, <laughs> look at uh, Aaron Rodgers' playoff performances, folks. If he wants to kind of, once again, you know, double down on everything he's saying, double down on all the digs, double down on that his teammates trash, and he's the greatest of all time, we're going to judge him like it. So we got to look at the rest of his playoffs here. So. That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. And we are back tomorrow, folks, live noon Eastern. All righty, folks. It's been a pleasure, and we'll see you.